0: Also, Homes.com Collaboration Tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. So much
0: to talk about. Where do we begin? Happy belated Easter. Hope everybody had a great weekend. And welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. How was your fantasy weekend, guys? How you doing? How you feeling?
2: I went to a major league baseball game actually for the first time I was realizing the other day since 2018. I didn't go to any games in 2019 because I was living in West Palm Beach and <laughs> it would have been like an hour and a half drive to get to a Marlins game. So that was my first baseball game in almost three years.
0: You went to Yankee which Stadium, is nuts. right?
2: Nuts. I went to the Yankees Blue Jays game on Sunday, Saturday. I watched Corey Kluber pitch meh pretty poorly. Yeah, honestly. That's fair. I saw Vladimir Guerrero hit a ball hard, so you know he's been doing a lot of around.
0: that. He's been doing a lot of that. What do you think of the stadium in general, Chris? It's it's fine.
2: It's nice. It's it's nice. Sure. I don't know. Like I, I, don't think there's another word for it besides just nice. Like it's just like that's fine. You know? It's like like if you go to like one of those like. Uh, you know, like a one of those planned communities where they have the houses that they build in like two and a half months, and they, it's like a four bedroom house. It's like fourteen hundred square feet. They've got like stainless steel friend and you just go. You know, it's like, yeah, this is this is nice. This is this this looks exactly like your neighbor's house. It's it's nice.
0: I've never heard anyone uh, describe Yankee Stadium that way, but I'll take it. It's it's better it's than kind of, it's just it's, it's a, a little better, boring. Better than you saying it sucked. So
2: I'll I'll, I'll take it. That. Actually reminded me of Marlins Park. I don't know if that's uh, that—that's something that people will get mad at. All I mean, right, actually yeah, like no, without I, a roof. I,
3: I actually really like Marlins Park, like just the aesthetic <sighs> of it. I do too. It's a nice park.
0: Yeah, you could le- you could have left that part out, Chris. I'm fine <laughs> with uh, not comparing a stadium to Marlins Park. Today on the show, by the way, uh, we're going to lead off with Shohei Otani because why not? We talk about him all the time, and um, he was pretty ridiculous. And then his start kind of ended in a very weird way. So we'll lead off there. We've got obviously our players of the weekend. Believe it or not. A ton to recap on some waiver wire players, bullpen stuff going on. It's already crazy. I mean, saves, chasing closers. The carousel goes round and round. Let's start off with Shohei Ohtani, of course, who started on the mound on Sunday night baseball against the Chicago White Sox, and he was hitting second in the lineup. At the same time, he threw nine pitches, 100 miles per hour or harder, which is just insane. And then he had two batted balls over... 109-mile-per-hour exit velocity, including a 451-foot home run. Shohei Otani meant the guy is just an absolute freak. The final pitching line against the White Sox, mind you. I mean, this is one of the best lineups in baseball, I would say. Four and two-thirds. Only two hits, three runs. One of those were earned. Five walks, which continues to be the issue for Otani. Seven strikeouts, 12 whiffs on 92 pitches. Joe Madden left him out there entirely too long. It was very obvious that Madden wanted to get him through five so that he can earn the win, uh, but he left him out there. And then he struck out the final batter he was supposed to face, but the ball got away. They throw it to first base. Someone else is running home. Otani. Yeah. jumps, tries to catch the ball, lands awkwardly. Uh, and he actually was removed from the game. This came from Je- Jeff Fletcher just before we, we go live here. Uh, he covers the Angels for the OC Register. He said that Otani has some general soreness after the collision and that he was not removed because of an injury. He will be reevaluated on Monday. So Scott, we talk about Otani all the time but he's just so awesome uh, and-, and now we have this injury on top of everything. So Otani, everything, gift wrapped. What do you think?
3: Well, I i, I mean, uh, so far so good, I guess, right? Like anybody who invested in Otani has to be feeling pretty good today, whether they invested in either version of him. I know on some providers he's still split into two players, so that seems to be less the norm now. You know, he hit the hardest ball anybody has all year, right? That home run he Second had? hardest. Second hardest? Okay.
2: Yeah, he had the like... I think he has the 6th or 7th hardest, highest uh, thrown velocity for a pitch this season and the 2nd highest batted exit velocity. Which yeah. is, uh
0: it's ridiculous. It's silly. It's just ridiculous. You know, I was tweeting about this earlier too, and I think we have to find a way. I don't know who we, who we have to talk to at CBS. I mean, we're not the only site that has just one Otani, but I think we have to find a way. We're getting to the point where you have to be able to get his fantasy production for if he's doing both on the same day there has to be a way to get both, right? Like, I don't know who we talked to or... I just him, I don't product know side, why. But.
2: So here's... And we had this discussion when he debuted, but I don't know why you would do that for Otani and not every pitcher who bats. And mm-hmm. I would not want that for every other pitcher.
3: Well, but when universal going away. DH happens, when right. universal DH happens, sure, then, maybe, yeah, then it it would be easier to justify because I do think you're you're kind of neutralizing the full value of Otani. Yeah, I think that's fair. by by committing to only half. That said, I I don't know that I'm ready to start him as a pitcher yet. I I wanted to see a couple of good outings. This was kind of a mixed bag. I mean, certainly it looks like he has the stuff to be a great pitcher. Uh, but the walks were an issue. He didn't go the minimum required for a win, even throwing 92 pitches. It, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to activate him as a pitcher. Love using him as a starter. But, you know, the biggest thing is that he obviously started as a hitter on the same day he pitched. And he started the day before he pitched. He was in the lineup, too. So the usage as a hitter going up is is, I think, probably going to be the most significant thing for his fantasy value. I don't know if in the long run... It really makes sense to have him hit on the days he pitches because uh, when he comes out of the game as a pitcher, they have this—they they just have the pitcher spot in their lineup now, and, yeah. and you know they don't have a very big bench. It kind of puts pressure on them to leave leave him in the game longer so that they don't have that spot in the lineup. You know, what if he's getting shellacked and it's the second inning? What are you going to do? You just have every relief pitcher bat. Um, it, it really presents uh, a logistical problem there. So I don't know that we should get used to it, but it was fun. And, and it was you know, fun today.
2: It's a logistical issue that 15 teams have to deal with 162 times a year. So, you know, but they carry I think bigger you, benches in the NL. Yeah, I I would think maybe they'll start like shuffling the roster, but you know, it might it might be worth you know the the juice may not be worth the squeeze or whatever the that saying is.
0: Chris, if you have Otani in a weekly league, where are you using him this week as a? Hitter, he has six games, or as a pitcher, he will be facing the Toronto Blue Jays.
2: I think it's gotta be as a hitter. I, yeah. I would expect, and they haven't said anything about this, I don't think, but I would expect he gets a day off tomorrow. Yeah. Um I especially would... after the collision. I, I think the yeah. default my assumption is that the default will be he gets the day off after he pitches. Um, but especially with that collision. Uh but you know, given that you know, there's no specific injury, but general soreness, like I might be inclined to just sit him across the board. Just because, you know, if he gets two days off, all of a sudden you're starting him for four days as a hitter.
0: Yep. Again, that is uh, Shohei Otani. We'll wait to see the status on Monday, but the guy's just so fun. Let's get into our top players of the weekend.
1: Oh my goodness
0: gracious.
2: And then see, hold on, Frank. See, you did it wrong. What? Because I'm not going with one of my top players from the weekend.
0: Okay, is it a bad player from the weekend? Yeah,
2: we always, we've done this. We talked yeah. about this last week. Okay. Yeah, the that's oh fine. my goodness gracious player can be a bad player. Well, or you a know good what? player who pour forward. Pour. I was,
0: I was going to start to call it the top player of the weekend because I knew the oh my goodness gracious drop was very polarizing, but oh my gosh, people were crushing it on, on Facebook this weekend. So... I was thinking about. Don't like, listen to the haters. I know. Look, you can't please everybody, right? It's, I didn't realize some people hated it that much, but Frank. Uh, I find the next it hilarious. positive
2: comment I get about everything I do will be the first one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. So why don't you kick us off with your oh my goodness gracious player of the weekend, whether it was a great performance or a terrible performance? Uh, Chris Paddock. I, at least through his first start.
2: He does not appear to have fixed any of the issues that he had last season. His fastball spin rate was still super low. He did not throw a single pitch that wasn't a fastball or a changeup. He did have 13 swing strikes on 89 pitches. That's not bad, but um I just I I didn't find this to be a, a particularly encouraging start. And I was, you know, I do have him on on a couple of teams. And um, you know, I'm definitely rooting for him, but You know, four innings, four hits, uh, struggled with control, three walks, three strikeouts. I just, I didn't see what I wanted to see in the first start from Chris Paddock.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly, and and I was the Paddock guy, so I feel like I need to, uh, you know, take a stance on this one way or another. And the way that he finished spring as well, I. I don't feel good about Chris Paddock right now. And no. he's he's not throwing his pitches with conviction. I watched post-game interviews today. He just, he doesn't have confidence. It's like a complete 180 from the pitch pitcher we saw in 2019 yeah. where he was just overly confident. And he was just, like, every time he went on the mound, it just, you felt like he, he was going to dominate. He was cocky. Yeah, like, too, you know, almost yeah. to a fault, right, at times? But um, I just, I don't see that pitcher right now. I will say uh, he's at Texas this week, so I'm inclined to leave him in the lineup. Although, Yeah, I'll still start him. They just had a but. crazy weekend with the Royals where they just scored <laughs> a ton of runs. I still don't think their lineup is going to be that great, the Rangers, but uh, I'm going to leave Paddock in for that start, but that's really one where, okay, if, if he doesn't show me something against the Rangers, then after that one, we, we might be talking about, you know, he's more of a matchup play, so... Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm I'm a little worried about Chris Paddock right now. Scott, your oh-my-goodness-gracious player from the weekend. Well, 10 minutes in, I, I should
3: probably bring up Yermin Mercedes. Yeah, yeah that was who, the other one. Yeah. Uh, the unexpected DH for the White Sox. We never mentioned his name once in spring training. I don't think he had a single home run in spring training. Numbers weren't particularly impressive. I had never heard of him. I'll be perfectly honest. I had never heard of Yermin Mercedes. But he went 5-for-5 five five in his first start uh, on Friday, and then he went 3-for-4 the next day with uh, two doubles and a home run during that stretch. On Sunday, over for 3 with two strikeouts, but whatever. He started three games in a row at DH, lefties, righties. And uh, you look at his minor league numbers, considering he's uh, 28 years old, uh very impressive. The minor league track record is very impressive for Yermin Mercedes. In 2019, obviously the last minor league season, he hit 317 with 23 homers and 968 OPS and 334 bats. 23 homers and 334 bats. Uh, and, and always showed good plate discipline. I'm He's naturally a catcher. I'm guessing he's not a very good catcher, and so he was a tough defensive fit and just never got his chance. But... He's getting it now. He's getting it now. They have four lefties on the schedule this upcoming week. Him being a right-handed hitter, you know, even if they were thinking about mixing it up with him and Zach Collins, it seems like Mercedes would get more of a chance this upcoming week. Is utility only on most sites? And you know, obviously there are a lot of utility-only players this year, so you and you might just not even bother with him. Uh, but if there's room, I'd take a flyer, see where it goes. If if I don't have to give up anybody that I'm really invested in in any way, let's take a shot on him. I think in ESPN leagues, by the way, he's catcher eligible, so that makes it easier to justify.
0: Yeah, yeah, we actually received a question from Jeff in Cedar Rapids regarding your mean Mercedes, and he said he's catcher eligible in both leagues that he play that he plays in, and he was curious, where would you rank him among catchers? I think his lineup and at bats make him quite a pickup, but I'm willing to listen as to why I might be wrong about that. So,
3: look, it's easy for me to stick him in the top twelve at catcher right away, and next week I may take him out. You know, next week he may be out of my top twenty, but like the back end of the top twelve at catcher is so replaceable that like just. I got a question. Like, should I drop James McCann for him? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. James,
2: James McCann's value has not changed. Yes, uh, I'm thinking
3: more like Sean Murphy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Jansen,
3: those guys, yeah. yeah. I, I do want to stress like I don't think Mercedes is must add. There were some leagues where I just didn't have anybody I could justify dropping for him or I already had that utility spot full and like I didn't want to carry a second utility only guy with playing time questions on my bench, you know. Uh some examples. Somebody was asking should I drop Andrew Vaughn for uh, Mercedes. Oh, wow. And of of course not, of course not. Uh, I don't care that Vaughn sat out two of the first three games or is it two of the first four? Did two of, play the, four first of the first games this weekend. Four. Yeah. Two of four, two, two of the first four. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was going
2: to say when, you know, Frank said, this is one of the best lineups in baseball. And it's like, uh, Billy Hamilton's starting tonight. <laughs> 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 it should I think be. This is actually not that there, good of a lineup right some now.
3: Weird decisions by the one yeah. managing the lineup, but you know, it's a long season. I think he'll, yeah, I think LaRusso will settle into, uh, some routines that make sense.
0: All right, so don't believe it. Your mean, your mean Mercedes is not a must-add player, but if you wanted to take a flyer and you have someone expendable, you can add him, but you don't have to yeah. do it. Uh, my oh my goodness gracious player of the weekend, Jose Barrios. I don't want to overreact because I am, I am a little notorious for doing this, but Barrios at the Brewers in Miller Park, six no-hit innings, 12 strikeouts, zero walks, 18 whiffs on 84 pitches, including 9 on that curve, slurve pitch that he has. Fastball velocity was on the rise again. So, this is now two years in a row the fastball velo is is rising. In 2019, it was 93.1 miles per hour on the fastball. Last year, 94.5. And in his first start, it was 95.3. I will point out that on opening day, I mentioned... Uh, it was a little bit higher for Kent Maeda and Brandon Woodruff as well. So I don't know if there's something going on in Miller Park, but the velocity as of now for Jose Barrios is uh, is up, and he just looked absolutely phenomenal. I always thought there was a chance that he can take that next step and put everything together. He hasn't ever really showed it. He's been like a high threes ERA kind of guy, 1.20 WHIP, a strikeout per inning, which is fine. It's just it was never like an ace type standout pitcher. For Barrios, so believe it or not, what do you think, Chris? Jose Barrios is an ace, a top twelve starting pitcher.
2: I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to be boring, uh, but I'll just say across the board that my answer to all of these is probably going to be, I don't
0: believe it. That's boring uh, because it is one start. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, I, I had Barrios as uh, my number seventeen starting pitcher in points leagues, and
0: no, you didn't. You just changed yeah, that. Right. You just changed that right now.
2: No, I had that <laughs> in twenty four in
0: Roto points. Okay. He's a he's a really good points league. No, he's he, he's he, among the league leaders in quality starts over the past three seasons. Yeah.
2: But no, I, I don't think there's any reason to significantly change your view of Jose Barrios right now. Like it was, it was good to see. You know, the velocity being up is is very good to see. The spin rate was up. Um, you know those are all good signs. But it's it's one start. And, he, if Jose Barea's career has been defined by one thing and has been an, an inability to string together enough of these starts to overcome, to, to make the leap that I think
0: we all see as possible. I, I will say if he if the velocity is up and he's averaging 95 miles per hour, I, I think that makes it much more likely for him to enter ace territory than ever before. An extra an extra tick on the fastball, and of course the command. I mean, last year he struggled with walks, which we're not used to seeing from Barrios, but no walks in his first start, and obviously twelve strikeouts is is a pretty good uh, is a pretty good start there for Barrios. How about on the other side, Scott? Mentioned. I mean, Corbin Burns nearly went you know toe to toe with Barrios in this start. Uh, the one hit, the one earned run he allowed, of course, was a home run to Byron Buxton. Shout out to Chris. Uh, but Corbin Burns six and a third, one hit, one earned, zero walks. Also key for Corbin Burns. 11 strikeouts, 17 whiffs on 87 pitches. He threw 42 cutters that apparently averaged 96 miles per hour. His cutter averaged 96 miles per hour. Corbin Burns. Yeah,
3: definitely the pitch selection for Burns was interesting. Cut his cutter becoming basically his primary pitch and gaining three miles per hour. May have been a hot gun situation, Frank. It may have. No, you I, I think that.
2: that one's more likely to have been just like maybe a classification error, maybe some forcing. <laughs> maybe I, I did it's wonder possible. that
3: too, yeah. since the cutter usage went up and the velocity. Yeah, uh, but that, you know, that'll just happen. The fact,
2: just the fact that'll that happen the first
3: few starts, Barrios and Burns both saw a jump in velocity. I don't know. Some people were trying to claim that. I, I don't know that I believe it, especially since it's not. I mean, it is Statcast data, right? But you know, good start for Burns. Nice to see him. Go more than six innings right away. It was only 87 pitches, but nice to see. And uh, I think he's going to be a good one for you for as long
0: as he lasts. He's filthy, man. I mean, his stuff is just, it's nasty. It's just how how many innings is, is Corbin Burns going to throw this year? They said before the season, they're hoping to in, in, increase all the Brewers starting pitchers by 100 innings pitched from last year. That would put Burns for somewhere around 160. I don't know if the Brewers are in the thick of the NL Central race. Are they really going to shut him down? I don't know, I guess we'll find out because uh, I do think Corbin Burns is is very key for that team and their success. Uh, Before we get to some news and notes, a week unlike any other is finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National where Dustin Johnson will defend his green jacket. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament. From storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice, the First Cut has you covered. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you are listening to this podcast, so please go check it out. They do fantastic work over there. News and notes, the Nationals are... Seems like they're finally getting this COVID situation contained and under control. Their weekend series with the New York Mets was postponed. Monday's game against the Atlanta Braves has been postponed. Ken Rosenthal reported just earlier that they are scheduled, however, to begin their season on Tuesday. So if you have any concerns over Nationals and Braves, they will... Lose their game on Monday, but it seems like they're going to be good to go on Tuesday, assuming we get no more positives. As of now, that is the case. Uh, They will be without Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison, John Lester, and Alex Avila. So, if you have Kyle Schwarber in any leagues, plan on not having him for this week. So, make sure. And I
3: think I think it might be more than that uh, because of contact tracing. There's a certain number of positive cases, and there's a certain there's like seven more persons. I don't know that it's necessarily players who. Uh, I think the, from what I've seen it's like four players one coach well those were the positive oh, okay test but there's seven more so you know you, you got to back up all your nationals bottom line
0: yeah I mean if you just want to play it safe it's obviously it's hard to bench someone like Juan Soto but um
3: right I, I think Soto and Turner are the only ones that I would not sit
0: yep. Yeah. And I, I assume uh, Max Scherzer will be good to go because while all this was going yeah. on, they said he was still going to start on Thursday, so.
3: Right, right. He should, yeah, yeah, he should sorry. Be right. I was just I was just thinking hitters, but yeah, Scherzer yeah. I'd start too.
0: Cabrian Hayes. Uh, womp, womp. Placed on the 10-day IL with a left wrist injury. Scott, if you play in a league with an 11-day week, and we're locked into the middle of the fantasy week right now, should you be allowed to sub Cabrian Hayes out of your lineup?
3: Man, I if you if you have Commissioner of the Year and he wants to do that, more power to him. He, you you make so many exceptions for this weird week, and it's just you know you're you're going to be caving to everybody's demand all season long if you set that precedent. I think you. I live mean, and you got to say
2: li- that it. You got to say that it's just for the one long week. Yeah. And if well, you do a
0: long week for the All Star break, that's it.
3: Sure. I I'm kind of of the mind though. You live by the 11 day week, you die by the 11 day week.
0: Yeah, if it wasn't discussed beforehand, I have no problem just sticking with whatever you had before. If if your lineup locks, then your lineup locks. So, uh, Scott, I'll just stick with you here because Cabrian Hayes is is your guy, obviously. So, how do you see this affecting his season long, um, you know, output expectation? Well, overall,
3: overall it was good news. There's no fracture. Yeah. X-rays were negative. There's inflammation. I think it's you know I think it's probably smart they're shutting him down. I, I expect it to be a short stay on the IL. So, you know, this week, probably next, you'll need a replacement third baseman. But I I suspect you'll be happy with Hayes from that point forward.
0: Chris, speaking of replacement third baseman, which of these names excite you the most to help you out in his absence? Eduardo Escobar, Jonathan India, Evan Longoria, Michael Franco, Isaiah Kiner falefa all rostered in under 50% of CBS leagues.
2: I think I would go with Jonathan India. That might just be a, uh, you know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. But, um, you know, he's kind of like Taylor Trammell in that, um, you know, he's been a top prospect who's failed to live up to expectations. But, you know, we don't know if, you know, he made a a leap last season. It's entirely possible that he did. And, you know, they're playing a Eugenio Suarez at shortstop to get him
3: in the lineup. So, Uh, The Reds certainly seem to believe
2: in him as well. Yeah.
3: Always go for the upside when you have a shot at it, especially this time. Number five overall pick uh, in 2018,
2: 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, Good plate discipline, potential for 15 homers, 15 steals. Uh, I think India is the way to go.
0: Yep. Jonathan India, he has five hits in his first three games of the season and looks like he will be playing every day for the Cincinnati Reds. Eliezer Hernandez left Saturday start with biceps inflammation And uh, it's bad news for the Marlins because Sixto Sanchez has the shoulder injury he's dealing with. So it seems like they're going to be really cautious with Sixto. And and now they have this uh, Hernandez injury as well. Josh Donaldson landed on the IL with a right hamstring strain. Remember, he hurt himself on opening day. We didn't know exactly the extent of it. Now he lands on the IL. Not really surprised there. Luis Arise was leading off on Sunday. He reached base five times. He went three for three with two walks. He is still just twenty-seven percent rostered on CBS as of now. Only second base eligible, but he could gain that third base eligibility. He's probably
2: two games away from third base for eligibility, right?
0: I think he started one of them at left in left yeah,
2: field. Yeah, but he moved to third base. Okay. And, on opening day. Okay, that was they. They brought in Jake Cave at, at left field, so. They caved and brought in cave. I think Arias is probably two games. I'll I'll look it up. That we should have a tracker that I'll I'll track down.
0: Fair enough. Tony Gonsolin with the Dodgers went to the IL with shoulder inflammation. He was in the bullpen for them anyway, so I mean it's unfortunate, but uh, would have been worse if he was actually in their rotation. Tim Anderson exited the game on Sunday night with a tight left hamstring. He was replaced by Leory Garcia. Chad Pinder was diagnosed with a left knee sprain and will undergo an MRI on Monday. And this one's really interesting. I want to know your thoughts on the situation because I had Joaquin Soria in a few of my leagues. And they said right before the season started, they weren't claiming a closer. They they weren't naming one, whatever. Uh, Soria came in to pitch on Sunday in the eighth inning The D-backs were up 3-1 to at the time. He was facing the heart of the lineup. He recorded two quick outs, and then he hurt his calf on a play where he was covering first base. He went on to walk the next two batters. He was then relieved by Kevin Ginkle, who recorded a strikeout on three pitches, and he looked pretty good. And then Chris Davinsky came in in the ninth inning. Uh, He did allow a home run to Fernando Tatis, but ultimately picked up the save. Scott, how are you feeling about the Diamondbacks situation? Not great, Bob. I kind of think that, if they if they wanted to leave Ginkle out there, they could have because he only had three uh-huh. pitches in the eighth. So this uh-huh. Davinsky appearance kind of seems like it was premeditated, in my opinion.
3: Well, yeah, and they used Crichton earlier in the game too, Stefan Crichton and then still brought Soria in for the eighth. Maybe it was just because it faced the heart of the order, but now that he's hurt, it's kind of a moot point anyway. I, I think it's possible he wanted Davinsky in there all along. Um, the, the Diamondbacks... Like I, I don't know that I don't know that he has really staying power in the role. His velocity was actually down in the appearance. He served up a long home run to Fernando Tatis. I, I made, I put in a modest bid for Davinsky in leagues where I'm desperate for saves. But I was putting, I was prioritizing him behind like Cesar Valdez, yeah, of the Orioles who got their first two saves. Uh, I was prioritizing him probably Davinsky probably on equal terms to Wade Davis. I remember, got that two out save on opening day because Greg Holland was having troubles. We haven't really seen any indication who the Royals closer is since then. But that's about the level I was valuing Davinsky.
0: Yeah, I yeah, put him in. I put him in that same tier as like a Brian Garcia who picked up a save over the weekend. Uh, Gregory Soto got the save on opening day, and then Garcia got the save on it was either Friday or Saturday. So I was kind of viewing Davinsky in that same. Uh, that same light. And I will just point out 15-team Roto League that I play in the NFBC main event. I, closers go for a lot of money in this, so don't go out and spend like 10 or 11%. <laughs> that was some
3: insane bidding in mine, yeah. Oh
0: my god. Chris Davinsky went for $113 out of a $1,000 FAB budget. I think so. it went
3: for more than that in
0: mine. There were a few. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. These, yeah.
3: These people... Blowing Dude, their blowing their budgets. Do not spend
0: eleven percent of your budget on uh on Chris Dovinsky. I actually got Kevin Ginkle for seven dollars, so less than one percent. So I am uh speculating there. Let's wow what's up. Julian
3: Merriweather went for four twenty in my wow. TGFBI. Well, so we gotta bring let's can we talk about him now? Because I feel like him and uh Mercedes. Yeah, that's what are I was I was gonna his, but Let's yeah. do it. I got out Valdez for eighty one.
0: Well, let's jump right into these. Believe it or not, and believe it or not, Julian Merriweather is the Blue Jays' closer. You mentioned how much he just went for Chris in your. It's a fifteen-team roto league, so people are a little bit more desperate for saves there. Uh, he went for thirty-three percent of someone's fab budget in my main event. So, Chris, what do you think? Is he the Blue Jays' closer?
2: No, no, I don't think so. You're not believing. I don't know if they. I don't know if they have a closer, but. Um... He got the first save in extra innings. Jordan Romano was being used as the closer. Uh, He came in in the top of the ninth of a tie game. The second one, Jordan Romano came in to face one, two, three in the Yankees lineup in the eighth inning. And then Merriweather got the save in the ninth. And like, I saw people on Twitter like, well, Merriweather looks better and like dude, it's two outings. I don't care who looks better. Like, <laughs> that, that doesn't mean anything to me. He could come out and walk three guys in his next outing. Um, so no, yeah. I would say it is more likely that uh, Romano gets the next save than Merriweather. But I'm not going to say it's not possible that Meriwether gets the next
3: save. I, I, I think that's a fair read on the situation. It, it's, it, it makes sense and it, it may be right. I have a different read on the situation. And it, it's just a matter of interpretation at this point because we don't really know. I think Meriwether has come in with so much sizzle and has looked so overpowering. Um, it is two outings, but, you know, managers are often makes, particularly for this role, they often make snap judgments like that. And I just think all the momentum is with Meriwether right now. I give it a, I, I think it's a 60-40 situation, 60%. I would say Merryweather's the closer right now, 40% not. You know, I think if you have Romano, you pick up Merryweather, and, you know, just let it play out, see where it goes. I think if you need... Like, I was prioritizing Merriweather over Cesar Valdez. I was prioritizing him. Sure. You know, in the shallower leagues, I, w- I was giving Melanson. I was taking Melanson, Mark Melanson, over Merryweather, but I was even putting Merryweather over somebody like Hector Naris in those shallower leagues, uh, just because I like the upside so much. But if push came to shove, I think I would drop Romano for Weather. If I was forced to do that, that's literally the only guy I could drop for it. You're for you're, you're you're forcing me to make that judgment call. I have to go one way or the other. I think I'm doing it. Yep. Because uh, somebody else is gonna pick up Merryweather. I'm not totally sure somebody else would pick up Romano. Yeah, I it's, mean it's not like Romano's been bad. He hasn't no, he hasn't. He hasn't. Like Merryweather. Has- I'm just I, I just have to, you know. It's, no, it's, I get that. I, I just,
2: yeah, like I think Romano should be picked up if he gets dropped
3: immediately. Is what I sure. would say. I agree. I agree. He should. I just think it's less likely he will be than that Merryweather will be picked up right now. And you know, you know, I, I legitimately do think it's a sixty percent chance. We're just going to run with Merryweather. He's done it great twice so far. Let's not mm-hmm. mess with it. You know.
0: Yep. And, and Romano was using the eighth inning to face the top of the order on. Sunday in a three to one game. And then uh, Merryweather had a perfect ninth inning. He had two strikeouts and picked up his second save. He is only 21% rostered on CBS leagues. And yeah, I'm closer to you, Scott. I mean, if you have to make the call Romano or Merriweather, I am leaning Merriweather right now as well. I would just, if you play in a Roto or headset categories league, I would try my best to hold both. I know it's, I know it's tough. Try to add Merriweather and keep Romano on your team. But uh, if push comes to shove, I would actually drop Romano as well for Julian Merriweather. Believe it or not, we mentioned his name, Chris. Do you actually think Buster Posey is back?
2: Uh, No, no, he's not going to win the National League MVP. Um, So no, Buster Posey's not back. Or do you mean back as a top 15, top 12 catcher? If that's what you mean, yeah, I think he totally could be.
0: Yeah, I mean, back to being a... Viable fantasy option at the position. Absolutely. 100%. You believe I, it. I, he is halfway to
2: his 2019 Homer total. He is less, just about a third of the way to his 2018 Homer total. And I mean, we're talking about a guy who has never seen the like plate discipline slip. That's never not been there for him. What hasn't been there has been the ability to drive the ball. Over the last couple of seasons, and he was dealing with a hip injury. Uh, he got hip surgery after the 2019 season. Took the 2020 season off. I think that could only be good for him. So, uh, yeah, I was drafting Buster Posey, and sure, there's there's definitely some uh, what's the what's the term confirmation bias there because I liked Buster Posey coming in, but you know he's done everything you you would have wanted to see yep. so far.
0: He had two hits over the weekend. Both of them were home runs. And it reminds me a little bit of the Salvador Perez situation from t- two years ago, Chris, where sure. Perez was out the entire year, and then he came back last year. And he was also. I'm not saying Buster Posey is going to be that good. But, I mean, for these older catchers, you take a whole year off, I think that can help. And you can come back a little bit more rejuvenated. So, I'm I'm with you on Buster Posey. I think he's not top 12 yet, but probably like just outside of it. and. You know, I, I think he does have some. He does definitely have fantasy viability. So I, I am, I am believing this one. Scott, believe it or not, John means business. Whatever that means. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did I come up with that? Was I was I the originator of that? Because now were. you see it
0: everywhere. I think you were because the first time you said it, I I almost fell off my chair. I thought it was like it was like in December, right
3: when we had a uh, we had a guest on. It was uh, it was Alex
0: know. Fast actually.
3: I thought it was. I thought it was Jennifer. Um, can't remember her last name. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> does John mean business? I don't. I'm not ready to say that. Obviously, uh, I was very high on him coming in. A lot of it had to do with his velocity. His velocity was actually down in this start. Um, now it was a 37 degree temperature start. Most of the pitchers we saw pitching those conditions over the weekend, saw a comparable two mile per hour plus drop in velocity. So maybe that entirely explains it. Some pitchers, by the way, were fine. A couple of them, Avaldi, Nathan Avaldi had their normal and, and I think another guy had their normal velocity. But I mean he looked really good. His changeup, John Means changeup, looked better than ever. He got 14 swinging strikes. He threw his changeup more and it it was more effective than I, I think it's as effective as it's ever been anyway. Uh, and we know he has great control. I think he only had one start where he walked more than one batter last year. I think he certainly is must roster. Um, his matchup this upcoming week is against the Yankees, I believe. So I'd be reluctant to use him still. But I'm encouraged if I drafted him. i encourage. encouraged. This is a good first start.
0: Last, believe it or not, Zach Wheeler is a top 12 starting pitcher. He's an ace. Much like Jose Barrios over the weekend at home against the Braves. Seven shutout, just one hit allowed, 10 strikeouts, 16 whiffs on 90 pitches. Chris, believe it or not, Zach Wheeler is an ace. No,
2: I don't believe it. <laughs> Boo! I I think he's roughly, you know, one of the 20 or so best pitchers in fantasy. Uh, but, that was a really promising start. Uh, tons of whiffs, which was... Actually, he had, he got whiffs last season. It was, you know, he wasn't getting K's last season, but, you know, the four-seam fastball was working as a put-away pitch. He was getting whiffs with it. I don't know how sustainable that is because it didn't really, he didn't have like a spike in 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 spin rate the way we would hope to see if we were going to see a big spike in whiff rate. So, you know, I think it's probably just a one-start thing, but Zach Wheeler's really good. And so, you know, he'll have starts like this.
0: Yes, he certainly will. And the fastball velocity and slider velocity were both up between half a tick and a full tick. So uh, you like to see that. I mean, guys throwing like 90, 91 mile per hour sliders. It's just awesome. Awesome to see from Zach Wheeler. If you were watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast on audio, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we will hit the waiver wire here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So we spoke about Michael Taylor after opening day. He had a big game. uh, and He continued to have a big weekend, as did his teammate Kyle Isbell. Uh, Scott, the roster percentage for Michael Taylor right now is 24% on CBS. What should that number be? It should be... 64%. 64%. Does he need to be owned in three outfielder leagues? He doesn't
3: need to be owned in three outfielder leagues, no. I think he needs to be owned in five outfielder leagues. But three outfielder, you know, just it just depends on your need. I would guess in three outfielder leagues, I can find somebody on waivers I'm more interested in at that position than Taylor, who obviously has a long track record of being a poor plate discipline guy. You know, three outfielder leagues, those tend to be at points leagues. Uh so keep that in mind, but well, would
2: you rather have Taylor or or michael or,
3: sorry Taylor or Taylor Trammell? I would michael rather have Taylor, michael Taylor. Taylor I would rather have um, michael to, i mean they're both you know the, I think that I think the expectation of failure is high for both of them, but so far Taylor's succeeding after a very strong spring where he made some changes that might improve his his uh, overall profile so yeah i'd I'd go with Michael Taylor over Taylor Trammell.
0: mm-hmm. I agree with that take, too, and I like Tramiel quite a bit, but, man, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from uh, Michael Taylor, who moved up in the lineup on Sunday. He was batting sixth for the team. Hunter Dozier continued to be out with a thumb injury that he's suffering from. Chris, which one of these Texas Rangers hitters are you more interested in? Nate Lowe, who went two for four with a three-run home run off of, unfortunately, my guy Brady Singer on Sunday. It was 113.9 miles per hour off the bat. For Nate Lowe. He has five hits and nine RBI early on. He's just 26% rostered. And his teammate, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, went three for four with a home run on Sunday as well. 23% rostered. Which one do you like more? Well, in Yahoo,
2: Kiner Falefa for sure. He's a must roster that is, catcher. That is true. Um, I would rather have him than your Yermin, Yermin Mercedes in uh leagues where they're both catcher eligible. Uh, but otherwise Nate Low. Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe. Um, <laughs> I think this was a new career max exavilo for Nate Lowe. Um, and he's always had power. You know, the, he got caught up in the Rays, uh, you know, just kind of not wanting to play him every day. The Rangers, you know, they don't exactly have a lot of guys. So they'll, they'll probably give him uh, a lot more leash. And um, I think he DH'd on Sunday as well, right? I, I can that, look
0: that up for you while you're talking.
2: I think he DH'd one of the, one of the games so far, which is a good sign. Because uh
0: he was the DH on Sunday, batting cleanup. Yeah.
2: So you know that's a that's a good sign for someone who, you know, that that he's gonna stay in the lineup. So I, I think Nate Lowe, he was someone I liked as a sleeper. I know Frank, you liked him a lot as a sleeper. Um yeah, definitely worth adding.
0: I I did back off a little bit as spring training went on because he was striking out a lot and it seemed like maybe there was a log jam in terms of playing time, but a few few guys got hurt for the Rangers and and so that I think that kind of forced Nate Lowe's Uh, into some playing time here early, and he's performing. So, I mean, yeah, I I have no problem picking him up in leagues where you need a corner infielder or you want to pick up a util bat who has some power. I do think Nate Lowe uh, can be that guy for you. Scott, you leak or yell? Is he back? Is this a thing? Is this real? Seven hits with two home runs over the weekend for the Astros in their first four games. He is 65% rostered. That's already pretty high.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair when somebody is going back to what they were doing in 2019 rather than what they were doing in 2020, I think it's fair to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt and presume that they're getting back to what we knew them to be. I don't know that he's ever going to be a 31 homer guy like he did back then, but I, I view Yuli Gurriel as a high batting average source who, with a shot at like 20 homers. And he's not going to strike out much. So that makes him especially valuable in points leagues. Points leagues are where you have the smaller rosters, it might be difficult to add him at this point. But I think he's I think it's more likely than not Yuli Guriel has a strong season, much stronger than 2020.
0: Would you rather have Guriel or Nate Lowe? I'd rather have Guriel. I think that is the way that I would lean as well. But uh I would say about the Astros, there is a chance that their lineup is just Back And it's amazing because that's what it looked like over the well,
3: weekend. I had this thought the other day. I don't know why it didn't come up. We were so focused on like trash can lids and whatever. But <laughs> remember, they had a COVID outbreak before the season even started. They like, when when the spring, spring training 2.0, where it was a bunch of uh, intra-squad games, like they weren't doing any of that. They didn't have mm-hmm. a chance to get ready for the season again. I, I don't know why... That hasn't come up more, but it might explain all of it.
0: Chris, let's wrap up the waiver wire hitters with uh, give me your favorite deep league ad of these names. They're all rostered in less than 20% of CBS leagues. Sam Hilliard, he hit a home run off of David Price on Friday, lefty on lefty. Robbie Grossman is just 7% rostered. He has let off all three games for the Detroit Tigers. Donovan Solano picking up right where he left off last season, seven hits over his first three games, only 14% rostered. Cedric Mullins has led off each game for the Baltimore Orioles. He went five for five on Sunday. He has nine hits in three games. Uh, Does have a little bit of speed as well. So between Mullins, Donovan Solano, Sam Hilliard, and Robbie Grossman, which one do you like most?
2: Yeah, I do want to check something on Cedric Mullins. Um, So he apparently, I, I believe, gave up switch hitting. I believe he's just batting. Is he just batting lefty? I think he is because um, he has 796 OPS against lefties last season, 502 against righties. Or, sorry, 796 hitting left-handed last season, 502 hitting right-handed. So, I believe Cedric Mullins is just hitting lefty full time. And this is something that I've I've long thought that there are a lot of hitters who probably just screwed themselves up by trying to be switch hitters when they can't actually hit uh, switch. And so that that. Probably puts him over the edge just because it's a tangible change that he's making, and the fact that he could steal some bases. You know, if we're talking about deep leagues, we kind of skipped over the most interesting guy in this waiver wire segment. But that's who, fine. Who
0: would that be? Gisrato, Jazz baby, Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, he's
2: thirty-seven. Hitting the ball. He's thirty-seven percent Yeah, stole second yeah. and third consecutive plays. He's fun. Marlins are winning the Zach Allen trade in 2021, baby. No. <laughs> so far you're, running no. away with it. you're not wrong. you're yeah. not wrong. Uh, oh, he, yeah he's he's incredibly talented and it's kind of like what we said with Jonathan India and Taylor Trammell. We did see jazz last season and he was overmatched, but he's young enough and you know, obviously Scouts have always raved about the tools that um, you know, if he's if he made a little leap this off season in his plate discipline, especially, uh, he could be a fantasy stud. You know, he, he could be a 25 20 guy.
3: I want to throw a shallow league name out there because I think he's about 70% rostered, and that's Gavin Lux. think that needs to go up to 100. Not only is he off to a good start, he's one of the few Dodgers who started every game. He started yep. at shortstop in place of Corey Seeger on that's Sunday. Weird. Yeah, I mean, just a day off. You see a lot of guys yeah. get days off this time of year. Um, but you know, Gavin Lux came up as a shortstop and had to move to second base because he was blocked by Seager, obviously. Uh, but he's hit great, and it seems like the Dodgers are more committed to him ever be- than ever before. This time last year, consensus top five prospect. And he's got to be rostered in all leagues.
0: Yeah, and I saw Dave Roberts said that this was premeditated, that he was going to give Corey Seager, both Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger, the day off on Sunday, which is exactly what he did. And uh, I thought it was interesting that above all else, Scott Gavin looks started against a lefty on Sunday yep. too. So yep. I, I did like to see that as well. A few other lineup notes. Nick Senzel was back in the lineup on Sunday for the Cincinnati Reds. He was dealing with a shoulder thing and he's had shoulder surgery. So we're playing paying close attention there. Uh, Andres Jimenez was out of the lineup on Sunday for Cleveland Ahmed Rosario started in his place. And Andrew Vaughn, we mentioned it already, he only started two of four games this weekend, and one was against a lefty and one was against a righty. Chris, if you have uh, Andrew Vaughn in a 12-team league or shallower, would you be looking to bench him this weekend until we know more about his playing time?
2: Yeah, I think benching him's fine. It's not like he's... you know. It'd be one thing if he had hit two home runs in those other two games, but there there are still reasons to think he may struggle. So yeah, I, I I would hope that he starts, you know, five of the next six, but I can't feel super confident in it right now. I you know, generally speaking, you don't want to assume you're smarter than a manager, but uh Tony LaRuz is doing things right now. Um and uh They're <laughs> gonna kick him out of the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately <laughs> so. we can't change it. You know um <laughs> you know giving Billy Hamilton nearly as much playing time as Andrew Vaughn would definitely be a decision that a major league manager could make in 2021. It just wouldn't be the one that I would make.
0: (laughs) Uh, Let's do a little just rapid fire with these waiver wire starting pitchers. I'll just say a name. We'll go back and forth here. uh, And you guys let me know your interest level. Uh, Chris, I'll go right back to you because I know you, you say Kikuchi was someone that you were excited about six innings pitched three earned 10 strikeouts on Friday against the San Francisco Giants. He is 50% rostered. He's at the twins this week. Your interest level.
2: Uh, 100 <laughs> out of 10. I think you Kikuchi is awesome. He is. Uh, he's got great stuff. Um, didn't get a ton of whiffs in his first start. I think it was like 10 or 10 or 11, 11 on 89 uh, pitches, but a ton of called strikes. I think he had like a 36% CSW rate caught plus swinging strike. Um, yeah, I think he's awesome. He's got, uh, a, a bunch of really good pitches and, um, the peripherals were excellent last season, despite the underlying numbers. So you Kikuchi is, uh, should be rostered in all leagues.
0: You don't say. All leagues, Mike Meyer. I would,
2: I would rather have him than, than Dylan Cease. I don't know if that's a hot take.
3: Well, Dylan Cease was pretty awful going against uh, Shohei Otani tonight, and he did not see his fastball spin increase the way I was promised. So yeah, I mean, it was
2: kind of like he had one good start in spring, you know, pretty much. Yeah, I I think Cease <laughs> it was just. Like we're
3: looking just. to pick up a guy, I think Cease is somebody you can drop. Uh,
0: yeah. Mike Miner went up against his former team, the Texas Rangers. He is now with the Kansas City Royals, and six innings pitched, four earned, six uh, six strikeouts, thirteen whiffs on ninety three pitches. The velocity was back up. He is forty nine percent rostered. Sky, your interest level in Mike Miner. A pretty
3: low, you know. It's one of those. It's one of those names where, okay, if you play in a fifteen-team league, he obviously needs to be rostered. If you play in a twelve-team league, I can probably do better. I would rather pick up Kikuchi. I would rather pick up two guys who haven't started yet, but are available widely. Carlos Rodon and and Taylor uh, Trevor Rogers, the the Marlins one. Yeah, um, they're both in line for two starts this week. I'd rather pick them up than than Mike Minor. But it is encouraging to see his velocity back up near 2019 levels because maybe it'll go somewhere.
0: All these other names are pretty deep. So I think we can get to through this uh, pretty quickly here. Johnny Cueto, five and two thirds, three earned seven strikeouts on, uh, I believe it was Friday, 17 whiffs though, 19% rostered. He is at home against the Rockies this week. Chris, Johnny Cueto, uh, not the most
2: interesting name on this list, but it was, it was nice to see. He looked decent in that game. Um, but I'm not rushing out to add him. I, would rather have him than Arietta or Teron or Tyler Anderson. I'd, I'd probably rather have Tanner Huck or Hauk. Alex Cobb, maybe Hauk.
0: Yeah, Hauk. Uh, speaking of which, he had eight strikeouts to just one walk, and that's the biggest issue for Hauk is uh, his command. Usually he's he's all over the place. But 14 whiffs on 85 pitches, and all of his pitches were up two miles per hour. So 24% rostered. I don't think he's going to stick around forever. Because Eduardo, he's kind of just filling in for Eduardo Rodriguez right now. But I guess if yeah. he performs well, then he will stick around, Scott. Because well, the Red Sox rotation. I don't is bad. know. I think I
3: think there needs to be more time for somebody like Garrett Richards, who performed poorly on Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, there's not. There's not somebody who they're not. The Red Sox aren't invested in in some way. There's Nick Pavetta. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he won't. I think somebody has to actually lose the job before they can get Hauk in full time. So I wasn't. I wasn't investing much in Hauk this weekend, though. I do like. I do like uh, the skills.
0: Uh, Jake Arrieta went up against the Pirates this weekend. Six innings pitched, one earned, five strikeouts. He only had six whiffs on 84 pitches. He is 67% rostered. His next start comes this week at the Pirates. So I think he's... You see that roster rate that high because people are looking to stream him against the Pirates, which I think think makes sense, but doesn't have a ton of upside Uh, outside of that.
2: Yeah. A guy who clearly doesn't have much left. Uh, I think his velocity was... I can't... Was it down a little? It was right around where it's been, so it wasn't like yeah. there was anything super impressive with with what he did. Only six whiffs. I know it's the Pirates, but this feels like one where the, the team tees off on him, seeing him the second time in a row. I know the Pirates might only have like three guys who have tees, but still... <laughs> Uh, I would think it's going to be worse for him the second time around.
0: It, it might. I mean, no Cabrian Hayes. Dis-
2: <laughs> they're going to look, they're going to score runs at some point. Uh, this is, I, I think, even rostered, really, I, I think really bad. Kind of a
3: moot, I think it's kind of a moot point because roster space is so precious right now. Like you yeah. don't need to be streaming Arietta for his start against the yeah. Pirates. He's just not yeah. that valuable. Uh, that's, sc- that's a better way to put it.
0: Scott, between all these other names that are left, Julio Teran is up against Cleveland this week. Tyler Anderson had 22 whiffs on 91 pitches. That was kind of interesting. He's 3% Mm -hmm. rostered. Uh, John Gray, he was pretty good against the Dodgers at home in Coors Field, 16% rostered. Alex Cobb had seven strikeouts. He's 5% rostered. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman had a quality start on Sunday. And Taylor Widener also had a quality start. Six shutout against the Padres with uh, five strikeouts. So Widener, Bruce Zimmerman... Alex Cobb, John Gray, Tyler Anderson, Julio Teran. Mm-hmm. Does anyone excite you there?
3: Uh, well, I mean Tyler Anderson with those twenty-two swinging strikes certainly caught my attention. Uh, him and um, one you don't have on here, Jeff Hoffman, now with the Reds, but he'd been he'd spent his time in the majors with the Rockies. You know, they're the both of those guys, Tyler Anderson and and Jeff Hoffman, are out of Coors Field now, and like that's. It's such a disadvantage pitching there. Like it just it just messes you up so completely that I don't think we can fairly assess anybody until they're out of there. I mean, they were both big prospects. Uh, Hoffman was one of the key pieces of the Troy Tulawitzki deal, and they both look great this weekend. They both look great, not so great that I'm rushing to pick them up. But you know, if they if they turn in another start like the one they just had, then we might be to that point.
0: Um, let's take a look at some bullpen situations here. God, it's like, how, where did an hour go? This is insane. It's like, there's so much stuff left to talk about. It's way too much to talk about. We could do like a two hour podcast. It's crazy. Um, just some bullpen stuff. We mentioned the name. Cesar Valdez. He picked up two saves this weekend for the Orioles. Uh, a raise reliever. Diego Castillo was the first reliever in baseball to two saves this year, which I just <laughs> found hilarious because they usually mix, mix and match quite a bit.
2: Uh, Pagan in 2019? Was it 2019? Yep. I, yeah. He got he, 20 he, saves for them and was
3: yeah. pretty much just the closer in the second half of the season. Yeah, pretty much. So it's it's not unthinkable. And like Peter Fairbanks has been being used really early in games. It got changed yeah. at the, dr- the drop of a hat. But, uh, yeah. you know, Castillo is, I don't know, I'd probably value him on the same level of Cesar, Cesar Valdez if I'm looking to pick up saves.
0: Yeah, I I like Diego Castillo more than Cesar Valdez just because the ratios are probably better. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, he's 87% rostered, so I think most people on on CBS would agree with that as well. Uh, Mark Melanson picked up his second save on Friday night for the Padres. Emilio Pagan was used in the eighth inning. Who Two wins. Yeah, two wins for Amelia. It's been Pugano, excellent
2: right? for me in the Scott White mm-hmm. Dynasty League. It's like, I God, I, I, why am I dropping I God,
3: He got me 20 I, points this week.
2: <laughs> I think I'm going to beat Scott in the Dynasty League. I think we go up against each other in that one to start the season. It's an 11-day think, scoring not. period. But yeah, but I, I got I, a nice big <laughs> league. Right
0: now. Uh, we are paying close attention to the Oakland A's situation. They did say Jake Diekman was going to be the closer in Trevor Rosenthal's absence, but uh, Sergio Romo did have a scoreless outing on Friday. Jake Diekman allowed three hits, a walk, and three runs. So we'll see what happens there. For the Giants, Tyler Rogers pitched in the eighth inning on Friday. Jake McGee picked up a save in the ninth. He had a clean inning with two strikeouts. He is 54% rostered on CBS. That number should be higher for Jake McGee. Brian Garcia mentioned he picked up the save for the Tigers on Saturday. Gregory Soto was not used in that game. Uh, for the Twins on Saturday, Taylor Rogers once again used in the seventh inning. Tyler Duffy in the eighth. Alex Colomay in for the ninth. So we'll see if that changes, but as of now, looks like it's Alex Colomay's job to lose. Does this matter? Matt Barnes pitching the eighth inning on Sunday with the Red Sox down 10-3. to Adam Adovino actually pitched in the, in the ninth, and he gave up a run. Does that
3: matter? Barnes looked a
0: lot better than Adovino.
3: I think that might count for more than who pitched which di- which inning. But, you know,
2: they needed to get working
3: right. They were trailing by so much and they hadn't had a chance
2: to use them the first two games. So it's like you you don't want to let those guys go the first four days of the season without using them.
0: We mentioned last week that we are going to do to stream or not to stream usually for the next day. If you play in a daily league and you want to pick up a starting pitcher, all of these pitchers are available in less than uh, they're rostered in less than 60 percent of CBS leagues. So we'll just run through the list. Trevor Rogers. Can I I drop another bullpen note real quick? I know there's
3: probably a million things we missed, but Nick Whitgren on Saturday pitched the seventh inning and allowed three earned runs. We'll see, but don't, 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 don't toss out James Karen just yet. Emmanuel class has looked class has looked dominant.
0: Yeah. Class a pitched in the ninth inning on Sunday with the, with Cleveland up nine to three. I, I think Class A might have had today the six hardest throwing
2: balls in the majors this season. All six of them.
0: Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, any other bullpen notes, Scott, that you wanted to hit? Just, that one just happened to catch my eye. Uh, all righty. To stream or not to stream for Monday, Trevor Rogers versus the Cardinals. Yay or nay? To not stream. To add in all leagues. So you would just add him, but So not. yes, to stream. Okay, fair enough. Carlos yes. Rodan, is that a yes at the Mariners? I mean, look, I'd rather not have to start him.
3: Particularly if you're talking a daily league versus a weekly league where you're considering, oh, he's got two starts this week. But, you know, you could do worse.
0: Matt Shoemaker at the Tigers.
3: You know, Mm -hmm. he's closer to to a yes than a lot of the guys you're probably going to name, but probably no.
0: Steven Matt's at the Rangers.
3: Same thing for him.
0: Logan Allen versus the Royals. Uh, Probably about Shoemaker's level. Justice Sheffield versus the White Sox.
3: That's all right, I guess. I don't know. I don't know.
2: I'm 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 very interested to see what Justice Sheffield does. Um I've gotten him in a handful of leagues, and uh I don't like relative to streamers, I, I think he's fine.
0: Uh Jose Quintana versus the Astros? Nah. nah. Michael Waka at the Red Sox? Nah. No. Uh, Trevor Williams, no. Adrian Modejone versus the Giants? Nah. Brett Anderson at the Cubs, no. All these other guys are pretty bad. Does anyone on this list excite you guys? It's a bad
3: week for two-star pitchers, so I would guess that most of the pitchers going tomorrow are pretty bad. Yeah, it's... So a couple. I do
2: want to point out a couple. Um, two Sparps, Luis Garcia and Jose De Leon. Um, I'm starting them both in the uh, podcast Points League. So, you know, in, if you're in a head-to-head Points League, that's yeah, that was team. basically just I, I saw that they were in the rotation and might get two starts in, in that week. So
3: Okay. <laughs>
2: all right. yeah, they're RP eligible. And I want to see what Mike fulton looks like. Uh, the velocity wasn't all the way back in spring. He was topping out like 95, 96 instead of 97, 98. But uh, he was a very effective pitcher for a couple of one year. Uh, but I want to <laughs> see if he can get back to that level. Um, yeah, I think that he's another good. guy who
3: I've got cheap in, in a couple of deeper leagues. The enthusiasm over him this spring was a little odd, considering.
0: There was a million other things that happened this weekend, but if there's just one or two things that you guys would like to highlight or that we haven't mentioned, because we didn't really talk about any of the higher-end players today. We really focused on like waiver-wire stuff, but uh, if there's anything that you guys would like to highlight that you noticed from the weekend, now is the time to do so.
2: Uh, I just pulled this information. I was wondering... um, you know, we talked about the uh, the report about the juice ball and the effect or the new ball and the effects that that might have um, based on spring. And at least for the first weekend, it has been consistent with the results of the, the ringer study from spring training. The exit velocity does appear to be up um, over the... I compared the first weekend of the 2021 season to the first weekend of the previous five seasons, not including 2020 because that was in July. And it's just, you know, throw that out. Um, the rate of batted balls to hit over 100 miles per hour with an, a launch angle between 24 and 32 degrees ha- is higher than it ever has been uh, in this sample. So more balls with that exit velocity and launch angle. And they are traveling uh, less distance than they ever have before. In 2019, batted balls between 24 and 32 degrees of launch angle with 100 miles per hour of exit velocity. In the first weekend of the season, uh, traveled an average of 405 feet this year. They traveled 393 feet, and so that is consistent with what um, you know the Ringers study suggested, which was that average exit velocity would be up, uh, but balls would not travel as far as they would have given the same lot uh, average exit velocity. the The net effect was that home runs should be up. Um, I don't think that's been the case so far, but the strikeout rate this weekend was twenty five point six percent. At least heading into Sunday, I don't know what it is after Sunday, but that is uh, you know small sample sizes all around. But that's another thing that they expected with uh, you know a ball that had more drag, as that it would increase movement and increase strikeouts. So the early returns look like what um, what was hypothesized at least, which could lead to lower batting averages
0: and and more home runs again. Nice. Yeah, though, it's definitely interesting stuff and something I think we should continue to track. Scott?
3: All right, I'm going to be real quick with this. I promise. Corey Kluber, 89.4 on his fastball Saturday, down two and a half miles per hour, was throwing a lot more breaking balls, was taking an old man approach. Not feeling great about him right now. Zach Eflin, Four hit the Braves, eight strikeouts, was very efficient over seven innings. Seems to have a curveball now that uh is gonna go with the, round out his arsenal really nicely. I'm excited to see what Zach Eflin can do. Tarek Skubal still threw 60% fastballs, threw only four of that split change he had supposedly been working on. Um, and uh yeah, not not feeling a bit as good about him anymore. Domingo Herman, I don't see anything to worry about there. Gave up a couple homers early, but. Uh, His stuff looked fine. Um, And then I'm going to say that Sean Minaya, his average fastball velocity was the highest it's been since 2017. The results weren't good, but that is an encouraging sign for him. And I think that's it.
0: Speaking of velocity, I just wanted to highlight Charlie Morton, 94.8 miles per hour with his fastball on Saturday, which is the same as it was back in 2019 when he was a top 10 fantasy starting pitcher. Joe Musgrove, more like Joe must start. Six shutout with eight strikeouts, 14 lifts on 78 pitches on Saturday. And his fastball velocity was up a tick to 93.4 miles per hour. He also threw six different pitches at least eight times in his first start. So uh, Joe Musgrove, a little confirmation bias there. Uh, something else. Nick Castellanos, keep flexing on people. You are awesome. I love you. Six for 11 early on with two home runs. Uh, and a very entertaining weekend for Nick Castellanos. And last but not least, Julio Arias was at the Rockies on Sunday. Seven innings pitched, one earned run, six strikeouts to just one walk, 13 whiffs on 79 pitches. I honestly thought this was one of the best starts I've ever seen from Julio Arias. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye.